everyone. Welcome to Blue Water Mission. We're so glad you're here. I'm going to open us up in prayer. God, we thank you for everyone who's jumping on right now and listening. And I pray for your presence to settle over them, every single one, wherever they are, that you would settle over us. 
I pray for anyone who is feeling isolated or lonely, that you would settle over them and you would give them strength to reach out. Maybe an Ohana group. But yeah, just pray for your presence to come. And I, I thank you for the message today from Rolo. It's going to be a good one. And I pray that you'd open our hearts, our minds, our spirits, and you'd deposit in exactly what we need to hear today. You know us, Lord. You know everything about us. So we say yes. Deposit whatever we need. And I bless each one to hear what you have for them. And we thank you for how much you love us. In Jesus' name. Aloha, thank you for joining us at Blue Water Mission Online Service. Although we can't meet uh, in our usual spot in Palama, we're grateful that we can kind of connect with you in this way, in our online format. So um, God designed us to be relational and just know that. You're not meant to be isolated. And I love that, you know, Julie prayed that over us, each and every one of us. So if you feel like you need to connect, because that's really how you're designed, connect with people, connect people with, uh, through Ohana groups or other venues. So I want to just want to share with you a couple opportunities for you to kind of participate in a couple things. First off is every Sunday, um, our pastors Rolo and Malia are going to have Sunday fun days for families. And it's actually open to anybody. So this coming Sunday, this Sunday, we're going to actually, he, they're going to be at Sandy Beach doing some kite flying. So it's a very outdoor setting. It's very, very safe. Um, it's in a very sunny area, so please feel free to come out to that. And if you're interested in coming out to that, and it's happening on Sunday at about 1.30 to 3.30, um, email Rolo at rolo at bluewatermission.org. Another opportunity for you to come and gather and have fellowship is really um, what our Ohana group, Lada and I, our Ohana group, as well as in partnership with Wayne Morihoshi's Ohana group, is where we serve the homeless once a month. Uh, in Waikiki and that has been just a phenomenal opportunity to really love on people. We provide the food and we just bring the love and we bring the prayer and we just really just uh, be a place for us to just really love on them and just be welcoming and give them a safe place to just sit and relax and have a hot meal. They can come and go. There's no strings attached in any way. And if you're interested in that, feel free to email, email me at quok at bluewatermission.org. All right. Okay, cool. Hope to see you around. But otherwise, please feel free to just connect with people, okay? Um, let's get into our time of worship where we uh, give of our tithes and offerings to the Lord. Everything belongs to the Lord. So give as you feel led by, um, by God. Um, and it's a cool way to trust the Lord in providing in every possible way. So you can give online uh, through our website. Or you can do the old typical way is just send a check through uh, the mail through our office, right? So we're happy to give, receive in that way. Uh, but this is your first time connecting with us. Please keep your money in your wallet. We're not interested in that. Uh, feel free to just receive this service as a gift to you. All right. We are starting a new sermon series, and it is called From Spiritual Practices to Defining Moments. And I'm excited for, to, uh, to let you know that Rolo, uh, Rolo Bright will be starting off our new sermon series, and he's going to be talking about the topic of prayer and intercession. And that, how that became from a spiritual practice in his life became a powerful defining moment in his, in his walk. So let's tune in and just listen in on Passarolo. In Matthew 28, Jesus gives us the Great Commission. 
He says that we are to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and that we are to teach them the commandments that Jesus taught us. Jesus' commandments, uh, the greatest one being to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. But as we learn what else he commanded us, we find that he used these different descriptions for how he describes us in this lifetime and how he describes his kingdom as it advances. For us, he uses words like salt and light. And for his kingdom, he uses words like yeast that permeates a dough and brings increase. And he uses the picture of a small, tiny seed that turns into a giant tree that brings and provides covering. So the implication is that in this life, we are supposed to be bringing increase and change into the world around us. But what happens uh, when things get scary? What happens when we can't travel to the countries that we want to go to? What happens when we can't visit the neighbors or family members that we want to pray for? And what happens when the people who are in charge make bad decisions or use their authority for evil? How are we supposed to fulfill the Great Commission when there are so many limits put on us and so many things are happening that are outside of our control? The good news is that if you are a follower of Jesus, then He sends you the Holy Spirit to live inside you and because of the Holy Spirit, we get access to the unlimited wisdom and resources of God. And we also get the ability to distribute those resources to the world around us. Prayer and intercession is a major way for the believer to expand the kingdom of God, especially when there are so many physical limits put on us. In fact, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 6 that our battle is not even in the physical realm, that our war is in the spiritual realm. So it's imperative that every believer be confident in their ability to take action through the Spirit so that we can continue to fulfill the Great Commission no matter what physical limits we may be experiencing. Today I'm going to talk about intercession and prayer. I'm going to talk about what intercession is, why it should be a part of every believer's life, and how to practically apply it to your everyday life. Prayer and intercession is so important to me because I saw God move miraculously in my life at a time when I felt completely hopeless and I felt like I had no options. The move of God that God the move of God when I was younger totally shaped who I am in Him and totally flavored the way that I display God to the world around me. The way Jesus saved and healed my family, specifically my mom, is one of the most powerful testimonies that I know. I'm going to share that today. I, uh, I, I called my mom earlier this week to ask her to tell me the story again about how she got saved. And when I asked her on the phone, she began to weep. And she told me, son, I'm sorry I'm weeping, but what God did was so amazing. And even though my mom got saved about 16 years ago, the power of it still remains as if it happened like recently. So here's what happened. 
I did not grow up in a Christian home. I was the first to find the Lord, and uh, I started going to church because a neighborhood friend invited me when I was about nine years old. And I decided to go because it was a reason to get out of the house. My house was a place of violence. There was um, a lot of alcohol. There was a lot of anger. It was not a safe place. And church ended up being um, kind of like my family. And I grew in knowledge of God, and I grew in knowledge of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And one thing that was so exciting for me was that the Holy Spirit is the authority in the spiritual world. See, if you grew up in Hawaii, it is not hard to accept that there is a spiritual world. We grew up hearing about Hawaiian legends and all these ghost stories and things you're not supposed to do, this and that. So when I was introduced to the concept of someone that had all authority in the spirit, I was like, yes, I love this person. And so I dove in quickly uh, as a young teenager into the things of the spirit because it was so easy for me uh, to accept it. And before long, I really started to realize and own the fact that the rest of my family really needs the Lord. In fact, I received a prophetic word when I was really young that God wanted to save my whole family. And I really hung on to that and I really believed it. But what I didn't do was ask him how he was going to do it. But I mean, like, how would I know that? I just took it on and I decided to try and evangelize to my parents. And you probably imagine it didn't go well at all. My parents would usually be drinking by three o'clock every day. And so I remember so many fights, so many disagreements, so much hopelessness as I was just trying to get my parents to change. I could argue them perfectly to why they need to become Christians, why they need to give up their addictions, and they wouldn't do it. And I got to this point of desperation. I got to this point, like I said, of hopelessness. And I resorted to the only tool I knew I had left, and that was prayer. And I committed to prayer. I, I wrote down a list, which is something I still do to this day, of specific things. And at that time, it was my mom, my dad, my sister. And I would pray as often as I could remember that God would change them, that God would do something, because I couldn't do anything. And after at least a year or so of doing this, something amazing happened. So one Friday night, I'm at church, like I always am every week. My mom is at home, and like I said, I got to hear this fresh details this week, so this is how she told me. She was at home, super drunk, as she usually was almost every night, playing cards, blasting music. And all of a sudden, she felt some kind of presence or voice just tell her, you need to go to church. It cut through the music, it cut through the drunkenness. It was something she really just couldn't shake. And the funny thing was, she didn't drive. So the only way to get to church was to walk to a friend's house and uh, hope that they'd take her, although she didn't know. But she tells me this story. She said, all of a sudden, there was like this anxiousness, this anxiousness in me. I had to go. So I just left the house and all my focus turned into just walking in a straight line about five blocks to uh, my, my friends who I would go to church with. My friend's mom was literally just leaving her driveway. She was the last one to leave when my mom just walks up to her car 
and just goes, can you take me? <laughs> and she's like, okay, gets in the car. I think it was kind of awkward, didn't say anything the whole time, but just drove my mom to church. She ends up going and sitting in the service. From what I remember, I'm in the service kind of, I think I was in the back, and it's baptism night. And the pastor goes, hey, we've got the tank. Who wants to get baptized? My mom is sitting on the side of the room. I still don't know she's there yet. She tells me at that moment she remembers the pastor asking if anyone wants to get baptized. She says her arm just goes up on its own. She's like, I did, it did it all on its own. I was, she was still very drunk by this time. So he's like, come on. So she gets up and she goes up on the stage. And that was when I see her. I'm like, yo, that's my mom right there. <laughs> like, how did she get here? Why is she here? How did she get here? It looks like she's going to get baptized. Uh, so she goes, she tells me she remembers getting on the stage, getting dunked in the tank, and coming out completely sober. And the rest of the night, you know, goes on. She had no clothes to change into, so she's just wet in the towel. I'm hanging out with her. And um, there wasn't immediate change, but that was the beginning of a process of my mom's eventual healing and deliverance from her addictions. Actually, deliverance and then healing, uh, because to this day there's actually no evidence in her body of almost 40 years of addiction um, in her organs and in her lungs. She got checked out and they're like, are you sure you smoked for that long? Are you sure you drank for that long? Essentially, the doctors are like, so my mom is a, a living, walking testimony. And the rest of my family, in their own actually amazing ways, did come to the Lord. But that really cemented in me the power of prayer and the power of God's ability to go around hard hearts and, and get to the heart of a person and change them. It marked me forever and it became a defining moment for me. I see the rest of life differently after seeing how God moved in a way when I was completely hopeless, didn't know how it was going to work. And so today I'm going to share some of the things I've learned about prayer and intercession. And like I said, like, what is it? Um, why do we want to do it? And like, what is the difference between prayer and intercession? Some of those questions I'm going to touch on today. So first of all, what is intercession? The thing is, intercession only makes sense if the spiritual world is real. Because intercession is about taking responsibility for an issue and stepping in to take action in the Spirit on their behalf. So it's kind of like if there's only, you know, if you think there's only one way to go about this, intercession is like accessing the fact that, oh, there's actually another way. There's actually another way to my mom's heart than arguing and trying to like live a great life around her or throw the Bible at her or deliver her. I don't know. There's actually another way. Um, and intercession is kind of that, that advantage that Christians have over like any other person that's just trying to do good in the world. You know, I read this Instagram post that was talking about some of the trouble going on in Afghanistan. And it basically said, here's what's going on, and here's how you can help. You can follow these people, and you can give these people money. And I was like so frustrated that 
But it's true, that's all the world can really offer. God can offer another way. Intercession is different from prayer because prayer is focused on engaging with God. Prayer is about connecting with Him. Intercession is about engaging an issue with God. So kind of the point and the attitude is different. It's also different from prayer because intercession has a target. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. It's about discovering what's on God's heart to accomplish and then to partner with Him to bring it about. See, we can pray about what's on, what's on our heart, and that's legit. It's really crucial that we do that. But on the other hand, there are things on God's heart. There's things that He actually wants to do, and we can partner with that. How do we know this? How do we know God wants to do this? Um, in Matthew 28, Jesus says, All authority has been given to me, therefore go. So this is right before he gives us the Great Commission. But the implication here is that there's supposed to be partnership. Partnership between us and him to accomplish the Great Commission. That means there's definitely no way it's going to happen without him. But it also implies that things will not happen without our involvement. That's the nature of partnership. I, uh, I read a little, I saw a cartoon the other day. It was a picture of this kind of depressed guy sitting on a bench with Jesus. And the guy's like talking to Jesus. He's like, Jesus, why do you allow sickness and famine and war to happen? And Jesus is like, that's so funny. You just asked me that because I was just about to ask you that. So the implication is there are things that will not happen without our partnership. Jesus has made it clear that he wants us to play a part in ending things like famine and sickness on this earth. Okay, how? Let's talk about the different steps. Uh, I, I have these simple steps that I've boiled down from my own personal intercession. Now I'm going to explain them to you. Feel free to use them for your own journey with God. So the first step in intercession is receive a target. So you remember how I talked about intercession has a target. Why do we need a target? We need a target because God has specific things he actually wants to do. In Matthew 6, Jesus teaches us to pray, Lord, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. The problem is we usually stop there. Uh, how many times have you had someone pray over you, oh, Lord, your will be done, you know, whatever that is. In my head, I'm like, look, that means you didn't figure out what his will is, even though we have access to it. Like, maybe don't pray for me if you're not hanging out with God, but sorry, more sassy over there. We're not supposed to stop at, Lord, just your will be done. John 12, 49, Jesus again, who is our example, he says, I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. Other translations say, what to say and how to do it. So Jesus is saying, look, I'm not going to speak or do things the way I think it should be done. I'm actually going to go to God and figure out how he wants me to speak and how he wants me to do things. More than that, we have access to what God is thinking about. In 1 Corinthians 2, 11 through 12, it says, For who knows a person's thoughts 
except the spirit of that person, which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except for the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. So again, because we have the Holy Spirit in us, who is connected to the mind of God, we have access to the mind of God. We have open ability to find out what God wants to do and how he wants to do it. Many people who do intercession often will refer to this finding a target. They'll use a term called receiving a burden. And it's a really good phrase because a lot of times receiving a target in intercession actually does feel like a weightiness or kind of an importance or almost like how my mom felt an anxiousness in the spirit that something needs to happen. This is a really helpful term. We're going to keep using this moving forward. But if you have trouble receiving a target, say it's like, okay, I went to God. God, give me a burden. I want to pray. And nothing comes up but you know you still want to pray. The easiest thing that you can do is pray His promises. So God's promises are guarantees. It's like money in the bank. And a lot of Christians will pray for problems that God has already given a promise for. And a lot of times, we don't need to ask Him to do it. We actually need to dig into the promise He's already given us and release it over the situation. It's kind of like, Say my three-year-old son comes to me with pants and he's trying to put it on like a shirt. He's like, Dad, I can't put on this shirt, right? But it's pants. And he goes, Dad, give me the wisdom to put this shirt on. Give me the authority to subdue this shirt and put it on. You know, like bring, bring around community, send angels to help me with this shirt. This shirt is not doing it. I'm going to say, look, we already talked about this. This is pants. I told you how pants work. You're trying to apply pants the wrong way. In a lot of ways, we forget God's promises and we misapply them or don't apply them at all to situations. Here's some examples. Have you ever prayed that God would be with you? Oh God, don't leave me like we just want you with me. When in Deuteronomy 31, it actually says he will never leave us. He's already promised not to leave us. Or I've prayed this too, like, oh God, I'm so tired. Like, just please give me energy for this. I don't want to do this. I feel drained. Help me out. Matthew 11 says, approach Jesus and he will give you rest. Or for strength, like, God, I need strength to do this. Help me. I feel weak right now. When in Isaiah 40, it says, you will regain strength as you keep your hope in the Lord. See, there are a lot of promises for everyday things that we're fighting with. And we just need to look in the Word and find what He's already said. His promises don't run out, they don't expire, and they're guaranteed to bring about what He says they will do. Okay, step two in intercession is we want to bind the problem, release the solution. So once we have our target, we want to use uh, this information that Jesus gives us in Matthew 16. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The original language here actually says, whatever you bind on earth 
shall have been loosed in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Did I say that right? On earth, heaven? The idea is, as we see what he's doing in the heavens, we have the authority to do it here. So that's why it's important when we get his target, we can then step into the authority to bind it, shut it down, and release the solution. See, in intercession, we're not begging him to move. We're not nagging him to do something. We're partnering with the solution that he's provided. It's way different. It's actually a lot more satisfying to pray this way. In fact, how we ask him to move reveals a lot about what we believe about Jesus and what he paid for. Because if we ask like we have to beg, if we ask like the resources are limited, then we don't actually believe that he paid for everything. That he, the cross dealt with sin and death and shame. And if we come asking like those are powerful things, then it shows we've forgotten the power of the cross. We have to come into intercession remembering the power of the cross. Or else we're going to ask like, you know, like some verses say, you're no longer slaves, I call you a friend. We want to come alongside like a friend. Part three, step three in uh, Rolo's intercession steps is to celebrate or let it go. When we receive a burden and we start releasing the solution, what will often happen is that we will feel that burden lift many times before we actually see the evidence of it in the physical. But when we feel that burden lift, the important thing is to shift from like the focused releasing to joyful celebration. And there's been so many times in my life where the answer came as I celebrated the solution, as I celebrated the breakthrough. You know, I think it's amazing uh, in the Old Testament how many times God told Israel to send the worshipers first before the army that the celebration was a sign of the breakthrough. Because worshipers, if, if the enemy comes to fight, the worshipers are in trouble. Like, that's not practical. But it is practical if celebration is what will bring about the victory. In general, we should expect an answer. Otherwise, you may actually miss, miss the answer. There's a funny story in Acts where uh, Peter gets thrown in jail. And the church decides to pray for Peter. Because what actually happened was before that, James got thrown in jail. The implication was they didn't pray, and he actually got executed. So anyway, Peter's in there, and they're like, we're praying now. What happens is an angel comes and lets Peter out. And he shows up at the prayer meeting, knocks on the door. There's a servant girl named Rhoda, opens the door, sees Peter, who they're all praying for. She gets excited shuts the door and goes back and goes, hey, Peter's at the door. And they say this, impossible. <laughs> they're like, essentially, they're like, Rhoda, be quiet. It's a ghost. Can't you see we're praying for Peter? Don't interrupt us. But the answer was at the door, and they missed it at first until Rhoda goes in, lets him in, and they see Peter. And it says they're all astounded that Peter was right there. It's important that we actually hold on to the hope that an answer is coming. That will help us to see it when it comes. And it will help us to celebrate it 
and bring that momentum of the victory of Christ in our situation. But what happens when you don't feel a release of the burden? Now, this is a place that I think a lot of people, uh, I want to say go wrong, but anyway, I'll, I'll just talk about what to do. If you don't feel the burden lift, but it's time to stop, you know, go home and sleep, it's important that you let it go. You, let the, you give the burden back to the Lord. I like to think of it like a UPS driver, okay? UPS driver goes to work, he's got a truckload of packages. None of them are his. They're not from him. His job is to take the package and give it to the address, right? In many ways, we want to intercede like a UPS driver. We don't want to be like, oh God, your will be done. He's not just throwing the boxes hoping they get to where it's supposed to go, right? He understands it has a place and he takes it there. The other thing he does is at the end of the day, he gives the packages back. He gets out of the truck, it's not even his truck, it's not even his uniform, and he goes home. It's very important that when the Lord gives us a burden, if we don't feel the release, but it's time to go home, that we give it back. Ephesians 6 talks about the difference between a burden and a load. It says specifically that a load it represents what we are supposed to carry, what we're responsible for, and that a burden is something that you're supposed to share. Burdens are never for any one person to take home. And that's why I think burden is actually a great word to use for the targets that we get in intercession. I want to talk about a man named Reese Howells. He is one of my favorite intercessors in history. He lived in the country of Wales in the early 1900s. He was deeply impacted by the Welsh Revival of 1904. If you don't know what that is, check that out. The Welsh Revival was an amazing move of God that changed whole cities. Reese was impacted by a verse in Matthew 9 that says, The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. For the longest time, I didn't catch that. I knew the verse that the harvest, like we gotta go, but I didn't know that it doesn't say go. It says pray for God to send the laborers. And Reese read this and he started to take it seriously. He started to pray because what was actually happening in the Welsh revival was so many people were getting saved, but no one was there to pastor them. No one was there to care for them. And I think it's interesting that usually you would assume, I got to step in. But he read that verse and said, I'm going to pray. Very interesting point. His passion for prayer grew so much that he ended up quitting his job and renounced a lot of his lifestyle so that he could pursue God more. He felt this longing to draw closer to God. He felt an invitation to the more of God in the Spirit. That was when the Lord began to teach him about intercession. God told him that the point of prayer was answers. Just like the point of a UPS delivery package is delivery. Reese would begin to receive burdens from God to pray for other people in nearby villages to be saved and healed. God would tell Reese the day and times people would get healed all without him even talking to them. Because many of them, especially 
people in surrounding towns were drunkards that would not engage in conversation anyway. His passion and fire for intercession grew so much that during the Second World War, he gathered a group of 100 people and together they would receive burdens and release solutions for the World War. He would write in his journal details and times that would correspond with news that was later broadcasted on the radio about the war. One of the significant battles that he has detailed notes on is called the Battle of Dunkirk. I'm going to tell you about this story. Battle of Dunkirk got to this point where the Allied soldiers were pushed towards the sea by advancing German forces and they were trapped. They needed to escape by sea, but they needed time to do it. Reese has notes in his journal of feeling a burden to intercede for this battle. And he takes notes as they prayed. That night, they feel a very specific breakthrough in the spirit as they prayed, and they found themselves praising and rejoicing. They note that the release was at 11 p.m., but they still don't know what's going on. Past midnight, that same night, they get news that for no reason the Nazi army stopped firing for no reason and that they, began, they, they were silent and still for several hours. This made all the difference in what is known as the greatest, most successful military evacuation in history. The time of the sudden ceasefire was recorded right at 11 p.m. Reese did not cower away or ignore scary world news. He engaged with it, with community, and with the Holy Spirit. And what I love is that he was actually able to bring about real change in a real war, miles away, in a basement, with his community, through intercession. That tells me that there are a lot more options and possibilities of how Christians can get involved with the problems in this world. He would say things like, I actually feel this fire like I'm on the front lines. He prayed with this engagement and this abandon and this surrender that he was actually doing something. And I want to encourage everyone that's listening today that with all the things going on in your life, in the world right now, however hopeless you may feel, however optionless you may feel, that the Lord has clearly provided a way for us to make a difference in our community, in our families, and in the world. And it's actually through this kind of prayer, where we receive targets from Him, we release the solutions, and we celebrate and watch the victory. So I, I want to ask some of you, Today, what are burdens that the Lord has put on you to pray for? And what are some burdens that the Lord may be asking you to let go of? I want to encourage you to spend time this week with the Lord. Find time to pray with Him. It's always worth it. Here's some promises in the Bible to encourage us about prayer. And then we'll end on that. Matthew 7, verse 8 says that everyone who asks, receives. That's a very simple promise. Just going to God, asking Him, we're going to receive something. And then in Jeremiah 29, verses 12 through 13, it actually says, You will find me when you seek me with your whole heart, says the Lord. 
So there is actually a guarantee that if we ask and we seek him, something is going to happen. <laughs> nothing is guaranteed to happen if we do nothing. Something is guaranteed to happen if we do something. And then I want to talk about this funny story. We'll end on this in Matthew. Matthew 17, it's this story of Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration with a couple disciples. While he's up there, the rest of his disciples are trying to deliver this kid from a demon, and they're not able to do it. So we're gonna, I'm going to read that story right here. When they came to the crowd, a man came up to Jesus and kneeling before him, he said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire, often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, Oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. Like he's grumpy at them. He's really mad. Jesus rebukes the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately, which is cool. Just a side note, if something happens that you don't know why it didn't happen, go to Jesus and ask him why it didn't happen. They go to Jesus. Why could we not cast it out? He said to them, because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. It's important to note that the word little, where it says, it's because of your little faith, that word little actually means brief. That Jesus is saying, it's because your faith stopped that you couldn't heal the boy. In fact, if your faith was as small as a seed that didn't stop, you could move mountains. Jesus is saying that if we will just not stop, we can move mountains. And I want to encourage all of you today, the same way that I wouldn't stop praying for my parents, and Jesus came through, He'll come through for you, whatever mountain it is you need moved. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are active on the earth right now in our lives and in our homes. I pray right now a blessing over everyone listening, a special courage and a special bravery over you. And I just release the presence of God that you would know how close he is, that you would know this Holy Spirit that's in you and the access that he provides. I bless everyone here to have a spirit, kind of a warrior spirit rise up in the face of danger, in the face of scary things going on in the world, that you would be brave and that you would release solutions and that you would believe, church, that you can make a difference through your prayers if you'll do something and you don't stop. I bless the communities that gather. I bless the families that pray. And I bless all of those that feel like they don't have what it takes to intercede. Everyone has what it takes to see mountains move. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey there, Blue Water family. Thank you so much for joining with us today in our online service. I'm so grateful to Rolo for his timely and excellent word on intercession. There's never been a more relevant, important time 
to become an intercessor. And I challenge you and I challenge myself to pursue this lifestyle of engaging with God over the problems on His mind, releasing the solutions in His name into the world. If you've got a prayer request that you'd like someone to walk with you in prayer over, you can email julie at bluewatermission.org and someone from our team would be happy to reach out to you and pray with you. On a personal note, I want to thank everyone who's reached out to Jordan or to myself over the recent loss that many of you have heard we had. Uh, Jordan's mother unexpectedly passed away and uh, this has been very difficult news this week uh, and we are walking through it. Uh, it's going to take some time. So thank you for your grace, for your love and your continued uh, support for our family. God has given us work to do, walking through this life, bringing his kingdom, but eternity is coming. And what we do today in this life has effect on how eternity unrolls. The Lord wants us to be part of the joy he has, the joy of answered prayer, the joy of releasing his kingdom, the joy of walking into eternity with him, I pray that you and I would be part of that this week, no matter the struggle or the trial that we're in. We love you guys. We'll see you very soon. Have an awesome day.